In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. We're continuing our series of talks about the Blessed Virgin Mary, taken from this book, The Life of the Virgin Mary de Theotokos. And we're going through it a little bit at a time. Right now we've been talking about the sources of what we know about Mary. The tradition of the church is like a choir. There's so many different parts in a choir. And if they all sing in harmony with each other, it's very beautiful. And it proclaims the same message. And that is the same way with the church. We have different parts. We have the Holy Scriptures, first of all. Holy Bible. Just like the the, uh, choir master, in a sense. Everything has to fit with the Holy Scriptures. But we also have the ecumenical councils. We have the hymnographer, hymnographers and the hymnography of the church. We have the holy fathers, holy men and women throughout the world who at various times have written things and said things and all of these voices harmonizing with each other, speaking the same messages. And... Finally, we also have what is called apocryphal literature. That's what I'm going to talk about today. Apocryphal literature. Now, little is known of the background of the most important woman in the New Testament and of all time, the Theotokos, the Panagia, the Mother of God, the Ever-Virgin Mary, who is more honorable than the cherubim and incomparably more glorious than the seraphim. So from Holy Scripture, we don't have a whole lot, but we do have something substantial to begin with. She was deemed to be the gateway through whom the eternal Logos, the Word of God, entered the age of man. According to St. John, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh. And this is where Mary comes in. She is the means by which she became flesh. She's often called mediatrix. What does that mean? Does it mean that she's equal to the Son? No. She's just, she's a human being, but she is the means, the media, the substance through which he received his human nature. This is major importance. She is the mediatrix. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. How? Through Mary. Through Mary. We sometimes we say she's the mother of our salvation. Well, how's that? There's only one Savior, Jesus Christ. But where, how did he come into the world? Through Mary. Mary. This holy woman. 
She is the mother of God in the flesh, according to the flesh. And always will be. Still is in heaven right now. Interceding for the whole world. We hope to portray the profound attractiveness of her personality that was endowed with all the virtues so that all may be inspired by its radiant loveliness and that with pure minds we may honor the pure lady, the beauty and excellency of Jacob. What is known about her background is to be found in the Holy Apostles, the Acts of the Apostles, and only those portions of various apocryphal counts which have in part been accepted by the church. In other words, a lot of things were written after the New Testament era. And they're called apocryphal because they're not part of the canon of Scripture. And some of the sources are kind of like in shadows. We don't know for sure exactly who wrote them and where they came from. And so the church sifts through all this information, weighs it according to Holy Scripture and according to oral tradition and various things, and it sifts through and keeps what is good and discards what is not. The apocryphal books describe, they, they give us descriptions of Mary as an innocent child. From, from her, they tell us about her conception, her parents, her heritage, where she came from, how she was as a little child, how she grew up, and everything that's kind of left in the blank or in the dark in the New Testament. Their very delicate treatment of the figure of Mary contributes to her warm and mysterious presence. The apocryphal books are a group of disparate writings, in other words, from different sources, different styles, on biblical subjects that had appeared in the age of the New Testament or within memory of it, yet they have been excluded from canonical writings. The character of most of the material such that its historical reliability cannot be substantiated is something to consider. Popular curiosity does much to account for their existence. The oldest and most famous of the infancy gospels is the Proto-Evangelium of James, which clearly glorifies Mary. It was to have a significant influence on later developments in the history of Mariology. So in other words, one of the main sources of what we know about Mary comes from a book called the Proto-Evangelium of James. Now, many of the apocryphal stories are fantastic legends that went against the simplicity of the Gospels. In other words, some stories, as you read them, you began, the fathers began to see these, these are people just going way off base and getting into legends kind of like Paul Bunyan or what, who is it, the... the um, um, Legend of the man who, who had a big oxen and he dragged a log through the, through the ground and created the Colorado River and stuff like that. What's that? Paul Bunyan. 
Yes. Okay, so you have these legends. And so some of the stories in the apocryphal literature are that way. And so the church sifts through those and sets those aside. Most of these stories have been rejected by the church as having been corrupted and distorted by the Gnostics, Manichaeans and other heretical sects. In other words, there were people during this age who were trying to fool people. And they wanted to tickle everybody's ears with interesting stories and fantastic legends and claimed to have secret knowledge that nobody else knew about. So that made them feel important and special and they could get followers. And that's why you have a lot of heretical cults named after the person who taught a particular teaching. Gnostics, Manichaeans, and other heretical sects. However, so having said that, in several instances, the Holy Fathers of the Church, together with the hymnographers and the iconographers, with great spiritual discernment, borrowed from and expanded certain episodes within the Apocrypha. <clears throat> they believed that these accounts, like buried pearls, were valid and edifying, and having incorporated them into their writings, these accounts have become part of the ancient tradition. So in other words, as they sifted through all these stories, the, the fathers, the bishops, people who had the authority to proclaim truth, the hymnographers who wrote the hymns for the feasts, and the iconographers who drew the pictures of the feasts, they all agreed on certain aspects of this apocryphal literature. Like I said, they were a, a choir singing in harmony the different parts of the narrative. This is, above all, the Proto-Evangelium of James is, a, is the, probably the major work that falls into this category. The Venerable, it was written in the year one, between 130 and 140, very close to the apostolic era. There was the venerable antiquity of this source allows the acceptance of the veracity of certain particulars that it gives about her family. Later modifications of this primitive account gave rise to discordant traditions. In other words, later some people took some of these teachings and, and amplified them and twisted them, and so that, that led to um, some distortions. But what the church did is preserve the true parts in its iconography and hymnography and in, through its, the ecumenical councils where they, they got together in council and agreed on the veracity of certain parts of the tradition. Only those accounts that have received the approbation of the conscience of the church and have proved constructive are included in the narrative which we will be studying. So I think I will conclude with that. I want the point, the main point is to understand that everything that we, the church, teaches about Mary. And all of the feasts that we celebrate about Mary 
have been tried in the fire of history. They've been tested by the, the, the conscience of the church. And the church has decided that these things, especially the feasts and the hymnography that we sing in the feasts, the, this is the true account of the Most Holy Theotokos, the Mother of God, the mediatrix of the salvation of the human race. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. Glory.